meanwhile, there's actual artists that have been working forever. <laughs> just going, yeah, I'd love to sell these for ten thousand. I know. That's why I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But well, you know, good for her. Today you are here with Sky Becker Yamakawa and Catherine Moore. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Sky. Hi. So, how have you been? You know, surviving. <laughs> surviving. Yeah, we're yeah. at the beginning of a new year with all new shows and new experiences. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's like, oh, I, I did the thing at the beginning of the year where I'm like, all right, here's here's what I want to get done and like goals and stuff like that. But we'll see. <laughs> It was kind of a crazy last year. I'm looking for a less crazy this year, but also busy. Yeah. <laughs> less crazy, more busy. That makes sense. Yeah. I could go for that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, well, so what have you been working on? I think I told everybody a while ago, my December was crazy with painting because I had shows that were opening up in January. And so I, I did a lot of painting and December. So I'm kind of just coming off a little break that I gave myself. So I'm starting on a painting for an upcoming show at Gallery 1988 called 25 Years Later. So it's focused on movies that were released 25 years ago and they will be at a new location. I saw, yeah, I saw they're, they're moving. Moving to Glendale. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. When I got the letter, I just kind of, you know, you start skimming it and I was like all... After so long in this location, I'm all, no, 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 no. Right. I, I was like, oh, please don't be closing. Please don't be closing. Right. Yeah. Because they're, they're just so awesome to work with. So <laughs> I was really excited. I'm like, okay, they're just moving. Woo. <laughs> yeah. It's always really sad when galleries close. Uh-huh. FE Gallery that I work with in Sacramento closed their doors. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. At the end yeah. of December. I was so sad. I mean, yeah. I worked with them a few times over the last, I guess, 10 years, but uh -huh. yeah, it's still sad. It's like, oh. Yeah, it is. It's sad when any gallery closes. It's just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. But I was very excited to hear that they weren't. So, anyway, <laughs> yes, I'm working on, I'm starting sketches for that. I haven't quite honed in what I'm quite doing yet, so I won't discuss it, but maybe next time we'll, maybe next week I'll be able to tell you what it is I'm doing because I'm still figuring it out. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds yeah. Good How about you? Yeah. What are you working on? I am working on a bunch of different open calls. Some are for public art projects and some are for gallery work and the two, well, they're the same, but they're different, yeah. different subject matter. So I'm trying to sort of wrap my head around how I feel about that mm -hmm. and trying to understand if they should be so separate or maybe I should try to merge them <laughs> into, into one type of thing into one is it, yeah. is it is, are the open calls like for different galleries the open calls are for different galleries and my gallery work is it's the same color palette and I have some of the same elements as the public art but public mm -hmm. art they typically don't like to do people 
Right. And most of my gallery work, I really love to paint people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I, I know it's, it's like so weird. And I, I've started to incorporate more animals mm -hmm. recently and I really like doing animals, but then I'm like, I've been doing portraits for so long. Is it? So I have to like I, figure out, do I want to have two separate portfolio things or right? Yeah. That's how I feel. And it kind of feels like I'm at the end of a precipice and I'm looking down saying, am I ready to take that step? Right. Right. You know, yeah, I know. I, and then I go back to like, I remember being in, in art school and they would talk about like, you know, if you are changing your style or subject matter or something, if you're making a change in your portfolio, you do it slowly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I yes. kind of like start phasing stuff out and then, you know, phasing the new stuff in. So it's like, right. I'll, cause I know part of it is like, you know, when you paint like a certain subject for so long that, you know, you kind of, you still love doing it, but you kind of get a little bored with it. So you want to try something new mm -hmm. and then you do that for a while. But I know I'm just going to want to go, oh, wait, I really want to paint a portrait. <laughs> you know, so I don't want to lose it forever type of thing, but. Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about that. And I've heard other artists who do public art where they say their public art is different than their gallery. Mm -hmm. work. Right. And that's, it has to be, that's the nature of it. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of similar. I have, you know, commercial illustration work that's very different from my gallery work. So. Right. Exactly. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we will be right back to talk about intentional art. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> Hello and welcome back. Today, Catherine and I will be talking about intentional art. The, this is called the intentional episode. My original concept behind this topic, when I thought about it, was supposed to be more focused on the idea of planning your painting before you execute. I know mm -hmm. like when I was younger, my art career, I would get inspired and it would just be like, grab whatever canvas you had and start painting. Right. And as I've gotten more experience, I feel like I've had to be more intentional mm -hmm. in my process and think like, okay, is this for a gallery show? Do I have mm -hmm. a size limit? Do I want it framed? Right. Yeah. So I thought, you know, that would be a good subject for us to talk about. But then when I looked it up, I found out that intentional art has a lot of different meanings. Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh, okay. Oh. This is, a, I just unboxed a whole can of words. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, here it is. <laughs> yeah. So in the episode, we'll talk about what it is, how examples of how to do it and why you might want to consider it. Okay. First, we have what is the definition of intention behind your art? And what I found was it is focusing on something for reason, as opposed mm -hmm. to studying art for art's sake or creating craft or art pieces just for fun. And then as a professional artist, we're trying to, we're trying to survive as working artists. So yes. it isn't just for fun. There's a purpose. Right. 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 So we have to be like, this is super important for us. <laughs> yes, for sure. We would like to, you know, get paid. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and then Catherine, I thought about you with your illustration and the commercial mm -hmm. work, you really have to be very intentional in whatever you do with that. Right. The catalyst for that is usually the art director or the client. They have a specific intention in mind. You know, we need this for a, an advertisement. We need this for a display or something where I actually did work for an attorney group and they used like my illustrations for a case they were working on. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. 
It's kind That's of interesting. Cool. That's very interesting. So they took my illustrations and put it into like an animated display that they used in one of their cases. Fancy. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And they pay pretty well, which was nice. Yeah, but that's like super fancy. It was so beyond like my scope. Like we were talking about how my illustration work looks nothing like this. They wanted it to be digital so they could take it into animation, but they wanted it to look like courtroom drawings. So I had to do the digital work with like using pastels which I don't use at all. I, I've used them in school a little bit. Right. Yeah, I had to make him look like that kind of pastel chalk drawing that you see right, right. on the news. Yeah, so that was, it was interesting. It was fun. But yeah, that there was, see, there was definite intention there. It's like, oh, okay, I have to make it look this way. It has to mean this thing. I have to have these things included. So there was a whole intention behind it. But that's true for most illustration work. There's, there's always an intention behind it. Yes, so just curious, what type of law was it? I'm really not. This would, this would have been definitely a civil case thing. Okay. And I don't even know how much I can divulge about it. So I, I'll be, okay. I'll stay away from that. But it didn't appear to be a criminal case. It appeared to be a civil case. Okay. Yeah. It was used on Judge Judy. <laughs> yeah, Judge Judy. I don't. Th- I don't even think it was used as anything like anyone would see, except the people in that courtroom. <laughs> right, right. That's that's still that's really cool. You use some of the methods that you utilize when you're doing illustration work when you're creating your paintings for gallery shows. Yes, I do. I went to school for illustration. So that's how I was trained to do art. You know, I think everybody approaches it differently, but I think I'm, I'm pretty intention. I take whatever the theme is for the show, if it's a group show or whatever, and I try to come up with a concept that is kind of geared towards that. I do the whole, I do the thumbnail, I do a sketch, and then I transfer and everything. So there's intention behind it. And I I think that the main intention for me is how will what I'm I'm creating fit into the theme of the show? I don't have an art director saying I want this, but I have to kind of take on the role of that and think, what is it that I'm trying to convey and how does it fit within the confines of this particular theme? Right. Which brings us to our next, which is how do we show intention or how is there intention in our artwork? Mm -hmm. And so you brought up uh, some of the things that you do intentionally for the how in your process, in the actual creative process. I do certain things. I know that you start off with frames, don't you? Yeah. And I've heard you also say When you've bought panels, sometimes you get panels that are unique sizes and you'll purchase Mm -hmm. your frames in advance as well. Yeah. The reason I do that is is that I I really like to paint on kind of odd size panels. And, you know, universal panel sizes are 11 by 14, 16 by 20. And it's like, I really like in between those two sizes you know, there's right. nine by 12, which you can find pretty much anywhere, but it's really hard to find frames for nine by 12. Yeah. And 13 by 19, I think was another off. Uh, yeah. I like the the panel sizes. I'm really liking the 14 by 18s. Those oh, are cool. Never, and, yeah. I've never seen that. 14. 14 by 18 and a 12 by 16 have been my new panel sizes. And I really like working on those. I get a little more room than I do on 11 by 14. And then with the 14 by 18, it's not a 16 by 20. It's not an 18 by 24. It's not a 11 by 14. It's something in between there, Mm -hmm. 
when I do that, I have, I have to order frames that fit that because I'm not going to be able to just go to a store and find that readily. And, and I don't have the time to search through old antique shops to see if there's something like that. I do order from a place that's called American Frame. They have very high quality frames. If you want to assemble them yourself, you can, or you can have them assemble them for you, which I do. Right. Cool. You pick out the frame, you give them the length and everything. If you want it matted and have acrylic glass or whatever in there if someone's painting with a dry medium or watercolor or something they'll do that for you but I always just get just an open back frame you look with your frames for the actual look of the frame and how that works into your artwork right 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 yeah I look at the frame I'll have an idea for painting I'll I'll know the shape like I really want to do it on Tondo or I really want to do it on a a square and I don't want it to be smaller than Mm-hmm. 10 by 10 or whatever and then I start looking for frames then the frame search <laughs> right take the final size of the piece mm-hmm. but I'll have an idea of what I want to paint but yes the framing that really does dictate and it's a very intentional part in my artwork recently who did we talk to recently we're talking about I get the frame first and then I want to say that was Cassandra Kim that might have been Cassandra yeah, because she gets these yeah, because she gets those frames. really cool frames. Yeah, there's a few artists that I've talked to, I know, over the years, said they start with the frame and then the work develops from the frame. That's just amazing to me. Mine is just like, I paint it and then I'm like, what do I want the frame to look like? And maybe I'm not thinking, I just like, besides the size, I'm like, well, I have a size for this one. Right. I think it depends on the subject matter and the style or aesthetic. Because if you're doing something that's ultra contemporary and you just want the frame to be very simple. The only restrictions you'd have is depending on what the painting is for. It's for a gallery right. and you have a size restriction, but you could get an off-the-shelf, simple, clean frame easily. I was told once by a gallery director that my work is very detailed with a lot of stuff going on, so I should opt for a more simple frame. But I really like the look of ornate frames. Yeah, I feel mixed about that as yeah. well. Because I've seen artwork... Well, like Ryden, his work is very detailed. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on and his frames are outrageous. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like the frames just like add so much more to something that's already incredible. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I agree with that, but I want it to look like this. So at the end of the day, I, I, I'll still do an ornate frame if I have one that fits the Right. I think I agree with you. It's like the subject matters. Sometimes I'll do a subject where it's maybe old Edwardian or Victorian or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I want the frame to also dictate that. Right. Have that kind of look to it. Whereas like you were saying, if it's a more contemporary subject, I'm fine with just a plain thick frame on it. I mean, either works. I mean, when you go to the MoMA or go to an art museum, you'll see simple paintings with... Mm -hmm elaborate frames and sometimes you know it elevates the piece right for sure and and then the other part of intentional art I found there was a lot of discussion with it in relation to abstract art which neither one of us does Mm -mm. yeah (laughs) and they talk a lot about emotion behind the creation that's a very big part of intentional art Uh uh-huh Do you ever like think of use creative intention when creating a piece? I would say somewhat. There's been some shows I'm in that I was like, I want this show to convey this sadness or anger, 
or something like that. Mm-hmm. That I'll I'll put that in the piece, and that often dictates what the color use. And so I go back in my color theory. Like I did one that I wanted to show emotion and anger, so I did a, a green and red, mm-hmm. which I know is everybody thinks Christmas colors, but <laughs> those colors actually, if you put them together in the right way, signify emotionally anger and distress. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like nothing like the holidays. Right? Right. I've dictated sadness or loss or something like that. That can go into my work as well, depending if I want to show emotion in there. How about you? Do you do that on yours? Always intentionally, but Mm. then I'll finish a piece and there might be an expression in the eyes that was going through my personal life at the time, which I didn't quite intend on being displayed in the painting. Right. You're like all, oh, so that got in there. Yeah. So unfortunately it does happen. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. And then our next is why, why should we have intention behind our work? And what is the value in it? So I feel like having intention behind your work helps clarify your purpose. And in essence, it gives you an outline to understand what your art or painting or business is about and where it's Mm -hmm. going or maybe who it is for. So that was interesting. As I started going through the intentional episode and started really thinking about it, I realized that it isn't just applicable to a painting. It's actually really applicable to a whole art business or art practice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Which is, for sure. in a way, maybe a little less intimidating, I think, for an artist. If somebody's like, you need to have a business plan. Maybe another way to think about that is, what is the intention behind your art? Right. Your business, your practice. Yeah. I mean, that's really what your business plan is, is what is the intention for your business? Right. Like, who is it for? And what is it supposed to be used for? And Right. Where do you see it going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was interesting because I never thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have put it in those terms, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that. That's a good thing. I think it's, I think that's important to focus on. If someone who's just beginning in art, they might not have any idea. Exactly. <laughs> you know, right. where you become a little more seasoned, you like become more focused and you really have that intention of where you want your business to go. I thought another great example of why it was so important was I thought you and Lilani use a lot of intention in your preparation and presentation with the art market Mm -hmm. at Mockingbird Lane. I feel like that was all extremely intentional. The artwork you did, the planning, this, you know, you said was like all digital and the subject matter. I mean, you guys like planned it down to the dot, you know? If you look at our table display, like that was planned out probably a year before we ever did it. Like we knew we want to have foliage. We want to have this raven. We wanted to really market the brand and then fit the artwork in there. We just met two days ago and we're already talking about what we're doing for next year. Cool. Very exciting. Yeah. So that was all extremely intentional. And I think that because you two were so organized and on top of the intention behind your branding, and everything you offered that also that equated to your success. Yeah, I think that's true. We're, we need to really focus that online. We, we've been not great at that. <laughs> Leilani's not a huge presence online. She doesn't really post a lot. And that's just kind of how she operates. And I need to be better at it. So I think that's one of our things that we need to be working on. Our goal is to do at least three markets this year. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Three markets. Yeah, that's our goal this year is three. Yeah. 
Okay, well, we will be right back to do our art news. Hello and welcome back. Today, Catherine and I do our art news segment, which is about Anna Sorokin. I think it's Sorokin. Sorokin. Better known as Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey, yes. Get the second look from the art world she scammed. So you watched the series on Netflix. Yes. Inventing Anna, and I watched it as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So there was this article I read, everyone's favorite art world grifter, Anna Sorokin, better known as the heiress Anna Delvey, had a big year. In February, Netflix miniseries about her rise and fall, Inventing Anna, was released and under considerable buzz and mixed reviews. Art in America, Emily Watlington, said the series was chock full of delicious lines and scandalous subplots, but that it tries too awkwardly <laughs> to turn, I'm going to call her Delvey. Yes. Story into a feminist narrative. Meanwhile, the real Delby spent the early part of the year in a U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Detention Center, which would be called jail. Yes. As she awaited Sounds deportation. Like it. <laughs> right. As she awaited deportation to Germany after overstaying her visa, she didn't waste any time creating a series of drawings for an art show. Yep. So yep. another celebrity venturing into the art world. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. The show is titled. <laughs> allegedly opening in May to a packed house and Delvey made a surprise virtual appearance at the opening. By October, Delvey was released from detention on the condition that she not access social media platforms (laughs) (laughs) and remain under house arrest. I feel like they're kind of treating her like, okay, you're in trouble, teenager. No Instagram for you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here, take your phone away. You can't do it. But before the allegedly show, there was also the free Anna Delvey art show. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Tell me about that. Okay. So there was a show and it was, it was actually interesting. The show was arranged to earn money toward her legal defense. And it was co-curated by Alfredo Martinez and Julia Morrison, where Alfredo Martinez had previously been to prison for forging, here's that name again, Jean-Michel Basquiat paintings. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I was like, why does he show up everywhere? I know. (laughs) It's like, there's something something weird. Yeah, so the show was held in Manhattan. Anna called Martinez during the show, put her on speaker. There was, and this was her work, right? So each of her pieces was listed for $10,000. Oh my God. Yeah. According to this, it says one of the pieces titled Send Bitcoin features a seated Sorokin wearing a red dress while working on a computer and facing away from the viewer. And then other pieces included Anna on Ice and ICE, both referring to immigration and customs enforcement. And then Ultra NYC called the pieces doodles and part of her latest ploy to profit from her newfound fame. Okay. And I saw some of the pieces. I put one in mm-hmm. for you to see. It was a painting, but I did see there was a lot of doodles. Uh, yeah, I see that. <laughs> wow. So this was her second. So this is her show. her second. Yeah. I And I just thought it was so, it was like also the guy that, so they're trying to help raise money for her legal defense by a guy who had formerly been to jail for forging. Amazing. Just curious, do you know how much money she was able to raise? I didn't, it does not say according to this, and I I need to dive into it further, 
but curious. Yeah. Then she also released NFTs in June of this year or last year, 2022. Well, it was funny. They said it didn't stop the fame hungry scammer from going on a media tour. Everyone's saying this is what she said. Everyone's saying I'm slumming, but I'm still living better than all of you. She told the magazine. <laughs> and I could totally see Julie Gardner. Was that who played the yeah. Anna Del yeah. show saying that? <laughs> I know I hear it in her voice. I'm all, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> So where can we find you online, Catherine? You can find me at tncanvas.com or on social media at tncanvas. Great. And I'm at skiesart.com or skiesartshop on Instagram. And you can also follow Off the Isla podcast on Instagram as well. Please follow and like our podcast wherever you listen to it. And as Anna Delvey once said, I work for my success. I earn my accomplishments. Pay attention. Maybe you'll learn how to be smart like me. I doubt it, but you can dream. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Stay safe and happy Happy creating. creating.